0: BLOB TALK RADIO Good morning. Good morning, welcome to, morning. to Be Ways. We are the show that kind of handles some tough topics sometimes. Sometimes we actually have an amusing topic or two. Um, today, I think we're back to one of the tougher ones, and that is what effect do the holidays have on people who are going through crisis, through domestic violence situations, um, people who are being victimized right now, people who have been victimized in the past, and what about their families? We hear a lot of things uh, when we read a lot of things about how Super Bowl Sunday and holidays, domestic violence increases. Um, Is that true? And if so, why? And We have somebody who might be able to to help us understand that. Adam Dodge, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Adam, and it's okay if I call you Adam? It is. Okay, great. Adam is legal director with Laura's House Shelter in California, and he's seen uh, a lot of changes across uh, all sorts of seasons with domestic violence. What's your background, Adam? What brought you to this point where you're helping uh, Laura's House?
1: Well, my background, I am a licensed attorney in California, and I got my start in family law. And in California, family law, uh, the family code also covers domestic violence restraining orders. So I got my first exposure to domestic violence by volunteering at clinics and also assisting my own clients with restraining order issues. And I just found that um, I was really passionate about it, whereas I was not so passionate about family law. And uh, was very lucky later on in my career, it's been about five and a half years now that I've been at Laura's house, that I was able to connect with uh, amazing domestic violence agency and shelter to provide legal services and legal support services to victims and survivors of domestic violence.
0: Is there a particular personal experience you've ever had with domestic violence that, that helped you, or was it just the exposure to the different people who came in?
1: Yeah, I get that question quite a bit. Um, I'm a little bit of an anomaly because I'm not a survivor and I'm a man. It's pretty unusual if I go to any uh, conference or lecture at a university uh, that's a class focused on intimate partner violence or violence against women, it's usually about 2% men. Um, So, i 'm um, very it 's very unusual I found for me to be working in this field as a man and as somebody who's not a survivor, so it was really to answer your question it really was just the exposure through family law and i I really think that I was born to do this work I love it i 'm incredibly passionate about it, and can 't imagine myself doing anything else
0: it's it's difficult, I think, for a lot of people who haven 't been exposed to domestic violence to really understand it how why was it why did you why do you think that you were able to understand i mean we were talking a little bit before the show about you know this this conception I always call them the 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 um uh, um the the trilogy of of questions that everyone asks, which is first of all why doesn't she just leave you know um and the the second one is why isn't she taking to because of course that's gonna be fair. Um, And then the final one, why doesn't she she just get over it? So those are like the big trilogy of questions that everybody always asks who's never been through it or experienced it or seen it. Um, And you get that even though you haven't. Um, Why do you think that is? Is that because of your work with victims?
1: I think so. I'm also my mother is a marriage and family therapist and I'm, I am my mother's son and I I really when people ask me that I really think I'm wired for it. I really do. I I am able to leave the work at the office and not let it affect me uh, when I go home or on my off hours and I love going to work every day and so it's 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 difficult to describe but it's really innate. I just I love the work. I I really for whatever reason, have a knack for understanding domestic violence and what our clients go through. And I think that, um, you know, when I when I first started in this field, when I was actually interviewing at Laura's house, one of my concerns was I didn't want to re-traumatize or re-victimize clients fleeing an abusive relationship because of my gender. I didn't want to scare anybody or, and that was a real concern for me. And what I found is the opposite is true. It's actually very beneficial for our clients to work with a male advocate who, is, who listens to them, who supports them, who advocates for them, and who, is not, uh, who, who does not represent all the abusive behaviors and tendencies that they are used to. Um, so I've actually had a, a really positive experience in that regard.
0: That's interesting. Now I know several years ago. I I don't know whether it's changed, but if you were a victim seeking shelter, um, in in you know a, um, some sort of sanctuary, if you had a a son above a certain age, like if you had a, a 12 or 14 year old son, a lot of shelters wouldn't take them because of the the um, risk of re-traumatization, uh, which kept a lot of women with sons out of shelters when they needed one. You know um is that still the case i mean or just depends on the
1: shelter
0: not a, yeah i think
1: it depends on the shelter but i think that's pretty uncommon now we'll take we'll take uh adult not adult children we'll take children up to uh 17 years old um we have and and we've actually taken some 18 year olds before um and and we've really tried to expand the scope of the type of um families we take in so whether they're LGBT from the LGBT community or they're male we've actually started taking some male clients um, as well we're really trying to broaden the scope of the types of clients we take in because there are enough hurdles trying to get out and get safe and we're trying to eliminate as many as we can while keeping um, our existing shelter clients safe as well
0: yeah, that, well, that's comforting to know, and, and I hope all shelters are able to move in that way, in that direction at all. It all depends on the, the two big ones, the money and the people, you know, who who are available to help, I, I know. Um, but I, I remember at the time, you know, I had a teenage boy, and I thought, well, if I needed a shelter, and they wouldn't take my son after a traumatic experience that would require us to seek shelter, I, I'd sleep in my car, I would not leave my my son uh, at a at a men's shelter or a different place you know I I wouldn't do it and I can't think of too many mothers who would um you know so it's it's comforting to know that that's not such a Sophie's choice anymore for a lot of women uh, in a lot of shelters so okay well that's your general background let's get to our topic which is is there more domestic violence? And I'm using that because I, I think a lot of, you know, intimate partner violence, gendered violence, um, you know, I mean, let, let's, let's you know, what, whichever terminology you're most comfortable with we can use. But is there really more of that during the holidays?
1: Um, I think as it is with domestic violence in general, the answer to that is complicated. I think that... It depends on who you ask. And I think that there's a national perspective and I think there's also a local perspective. And I think that those are sometimes in conflict. Um, my personal experience at Laura's house, we I, I am the legal director, so I run the legal department. So we do oh, somewhere between nine hundred and a thousand restraining order cases every year. And it actually is a really interesting field to observe. During the holidays, because I actually see quite a few clients return to um, the relationship uh, and drop their restraining orders during the holidays, and I think there's a variety of reasons why they do that. Not the least of which being, uh, well, the, the the standard reasons why uh, victims go back um, due to the cycle of of abuse and financial reasons and things of that nature but I think around the holidays in particular um, you there, there's a there's a bit of nostalgia that comes into play where our clients really want that perfect family or that perfect relationship and they want to feel loved and they want to feel like they're living the life they're supposed to during the holidays and I think that's a strong motivator for them to go back I think if they have children that yeah. they really want I, w- their, I would have said their children the,
0: the... I, I would have guessed that it would be because of the kids. You know, I mean, there's such pressure. I, I think that um, women in the, those situations feel such pressure that somehow or other your children are going to suffer irreparably if they're not with that man, well, if they're not with their father. And my personal opinion, I mean, I know the research is mixed, but my personal opinion is children don't suffer by being with somebody who hurts them. I mean, I mean, that's just... <laughs> you know that's right. how i feel about agreed. it agreed uh, but i do believe that there is that that heavy push that no they have to be with dad they have to be with dad and so i i'm i i would have guessed that there that pressure to you know make this you know whole family whole you know the whole the family whole at this holiday for the children i would have thought that would be a prime motivator
1: uh, and it is it, it really is um especially when you have the children saying that they want to see Um, their dad or their mom, um, that that applies additional pressure on our clients. And how do you say no to that? Um, And I'm not in their position. And there's such a struggle going on there. And, you know, the holidays really make it that much more difficult. Um, So I, I do agree. It's, it's children. I think there's this nostalgia factor. I also think it's financial. They want to make sure that their kids have everything and have a great Christmas, and have all the present presents. And if they're financially reliant on the abusive spouse or their abusive partner, then that's a way for them to make sure that their kids are taken care of, at least financially, during the holidays.
0: What are, are there other reasons that you see? I kind of cut you off there. I didn't mean to, but
1: no, no, it's a, it's it's. I always, whenever I'm, I, I always tell people when I'm lecturing or anything like that, like interrupt me with questions because I think it leads to more interesting topics actually. Uh, (laughs) So please interrupt, interrupt away. Um, Those are the three primary ones. Um, And and I think it may not even be that they're going back. Maybe they're in the relationship and they're just holding on to get through the holidays um, Mm. for, for all the reasons, for all the reasons that we just discussed. I just need to get through the holidays for my children um, and then and then I'll leave, and then I'll get out. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And, yeah. I've, I've heard so that, you know similar things. Like, you know, I just need the kids to get through the school year, and then you know I need you know that kind of thing. Um, so that makes sense to me. So, but you started out by saying that you know it's kind of mixed. So you, the national statistics. I know the national hotline. um hmm Indicates that they really don't get a lot more calls in the holidays.
1: Yeah, in fact, they get less. They they see a they see a drop. Okay, but then um, you indicated
0: a, that, that it's different locally, maybe.
1: Yeah, well, it's you know I'll talk to colleagues and they'll say, oh, we're so slammed and our shelter is at capacity and we're running to court every day to file these restraining orders, and I'm thinking, gosh, we're in the same county. What what is going on? there um, that's not going on here i'll talk to colleagues in other counties uh, across the state and they'll if i'm busy and they're they're slow and and i can say we've had years where our shelter's been at capacity during the holidays and we've had years where it's it's uh, the popular our shelter population is really low um so i think the one thing everybody can agree on is that there's no there's no identifiable pattern Um, But I was really uh, surprised to see the statistics from the national domestic violence hotline. I think they took stats from 2003 to 2013 or something like that. And they would compare an average day to Christmas Day or an average day to Christmas Eve. And they were lower every single day, uh, every single year, um, according to that chart. So there's not it's not as if it ebbed and flowed over that 10 year period. It was really it was always lower. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. And I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, but I I think there's a thought that, well, maybe people are more likely to call their local shelter or law enforcement during a violent incident on the ho- during the holidays, rather than calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline or something like that. But that's just speculation. People really don't know. So it's actually, I, I was really happy to hear you were having a Show on this topic, because I think it's really it's it's something that we all quite haven 't figured out yet
0: yeah so um, do the, okay so there's no predict there's just no predicting it is what you're saying
1: yeah I mean if i'm speaking from my personal experience, my personal experience is more in line with the national domestic violence hotline statistics. We tend to be slower in our legal department during the holidays, and I think to your point about the effect that summer has on people leaving, I think it's a, I think it's sort of the similar similar effect, and that and by that I mean, people are holding on and okay once I get through the holidays I can leave or once I get through the school year I can leave, um, and so that, well, that's, that, that's that's, that's really inter- been go
0: yeah ahead. that's an interesting point too that just occurred to me, I mean we're talking hmm we're we're really asking two different questions. Because I guess in my mind I'm going, okay, so is there more violence during the holidays? And your response is, well, we're not seeing as many people leaving. But you know what? Maybe that's two different questions. Maybe people are putting up with more violence because of the reasons that we've just discussed. Maybe maybe there is more violence, but people's reactions to it are different because of the holiday. Is that a possibility?
1: I think that's exactly right. And I think that's why this makes it is that's why it's so challenging to properly evaluate this effect, because I think that's right. I think some people are experiencing the same amount of violence or an increased level of violence, but they're just trying to keep it together. Um, I, I think that's definitely true. I've certainly seen that in my January restraining order filings where they're describing some pretty serious abuse around the holidays, but nobody's filing around the holidays. Um, so do you see? You, so you know what? I,
0: I need to give out our our call in number here. Sometimes I get so wrapped up in the conversation I forget to invite people to join us. If you would like to join our conversation, I have the chat room open. You can just go there and uh, type a comment or a question, and I'll share it with Adam. Or give us a call: six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. That's six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. And we'd love it if you wanted to join our conversation. So we're really, I guess, and and you know, excuse me if I'm I'm being a little um, dense with this, but it really did just occur to me that that we're talking two different things uh, when I'm asking these questions. So you're thinking that yes, there is a little bit of an uptick in the violence, but there's a downtick in how many people are actually um, reacting to that violence uh, when it comes to leaving or or. Um, Uh, police action or something because they want to try and hold it together for the holidays?
1: Yeah, I I do. I've seen it. I've seen it in in my clients and I think um, it's definitely happening um, and I completely understand why a client wants to do that Um, and, and they believe that they're sacrificing for, it's usually when children are involved. Um, but not uh-huh. always. But they think they're sacrificing for their children when, you know, in fact they're just exposing their children to more violence. Unfortunately. Um, yeah,
0: that was going but, through uh, floating through my mind. I thought, it was, so right? we think that we're trying to hold it together for the for the children, but those kids know something's going on. <laughs>
1: they always know. So is they it, always know. Yeah they always yeah. know I can't tell you how many times parents have told me oh yeah well, it never happens in front of the kids it never happens in front of the kids it's you know they know kids are so smart and they're so perceptive yeah. and they don't have to be in the room they know what's going on they're they, they I always tell clients you may not think they know but they know um,
0: yeah. They yeah always. they always do and if nothing else they know that there's tension and they know that something is threatening you know that 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 little buzz, I always I always think of it as, you know, when you drive under those high tensile or whatever they're called, power lines, or if you're walking under them and you happen that we used to cut down a tr- Christmas tree in the National Forest every year, and it was right under those power lines. And I guess they, the mm-hmm. National Forest Service had people go in and cut Christmas trees because they always had to cut under those power lines anyway. Um, but I remember a couple times we did that, and there was like this hum, like this almost imperceptible hum under those power lines, have you ever had that experience?
1: yeah, I think um, it, well, I haven't personally, but I've definitely heard it relayed to me by my clients and one thing I tell clients and, and I'm sure you you're very well acquainted with this, but clients will tell us that they saw the look in in his eye, you know oh, he gosh, had that look book. in his eye that i rec that, that they recognize and will will probably haunt them for the rest of their lives but they see that look and they know what's going to come next and often i'll tell clients well if you know that look don't you think your children know that look as well and they do the kids absolutely know it you know even if there's tension building at the dinner table and the kid goes upstairs they know what's going on they recognize that look too and and it's it's really tragic and i and i my heart goes out to our clients my clients because it's yeah, They're in an impossible situation. Do I leave and uproot and and jump into the abyss and the unknown, or do I stay and and try to protect and try to make my family whole again, despite what's
0: going on? Well, and that's the other issue, Adam, is it, you know, if I leave, then these children are going to be alone with that person. Oh, yeah. And I won't be there oh, yeah. to try and edge them, you know, uh, encourage them to go upstairs when he's getting the look or whatever, you know. Um, so, I mean, to me, you know, the, the question, why doesn't she just leave, you know, that the people say so disparagingly. And I'm thinking, in many cases, this is a very wise and and judicious decision to not leave. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of extreme management, you know, and and... and balancing the equation is it better if for them if i stay is it better for them if i leave because if i leave then he's going to be able to have access without me and i won't be able to be you know to walk in front of them when he gets to look and i mean it's a very uh tricky tricky thing um and sometimes you know sometimes i get really impatient with people who somehow or other think that it's just some sort of well, just leave, boom, it's done, you know, uh, without understanding the ramifications of that.
1: Yeah, you, you really nailed it, actually. Uh, working on the restraining order side of things in California, restraining orders also include custody orders. And the, one of the main things that our clients struggle with is if there's any kind of unsupervised, unsupervised visitation on the part of the uh, abusive spouse or abusive parent, um they they are s- terrified about what will happen yeah. when that parent has unsupervised visitation with that child because the concern is, well I'm not there for, for this person to abuse anymore, so are they going to turn on our children and and make them the targets? And I can't that that's a hard part of my job because I can't I can't give them the the sense of you know relief or security that no that's never going to happen because it might
0: yeah
1: it's un it's unlikely i i don't you know usually once well i think depending on the
0: court you know i mean there are some courts where i think and child protective services and and the person i mean yeah that's a tough one because from what i see that depending on the court there may be a very high likelihood that the children will be abused you know, and that they will have, that you, you know, nobody will be able to protect them. And and then the whole notion that, you know, Child Protective Services comes in and says, well, if you can't keep your kids away from that abusive person, we're going to take your kids away. And then you go to family court, and what do you mean? You're keeping your kids away from, that he has a right to his children, you know. um, So, and I use the pronoun he because the overwhelming majority of abusers are male, of course. Um, right. So, um. You know, it's it's tough. It's tough. And is, is there are there any resources for women who are trying to make this decision around the holiday time? I mean, do the the staffing of of counseling centers? I, I guess this is a question I should have asked the um, national hotline folks. Um, well, I guess I kind of in a way did. They they don't staff extra people during this time of year because they don't have extra need, but. Is there a? I mean, what are the resources? Are there any special resources at this time for people who are going through this?
1: Not that I know of. Uh, We don't we don't staff extra people on our twenty four hour hotline or um, at our counseling and resource centers or anything like that. Um, Because I think, quite honestly, that I don't know that there's a need for special resources to address this because we're really talking about a lot of the same issues that they're dealing with outside the holidays and okay. they're they're a bit exacerbated around the holidays which is why the holidays are so tough uh, the, the, these conversations you and i are having about all the how nuanced it is and how with respect to the challenge of getting out and then you add additional hurdles around the holidays and it just gets that much tougher to either leave or it incentivizes people to go back. So I think that's where you really, um, you know, can point to a lot of factors that make it that much more difficult for DV survivors around the holidays. But then we look at the statistics and it's like, well, wait a second, no one's calling the hotline more. So what, what's going yeah. on here? Um, and I think, I think, you know, you, you, your point was really well taken that I, I do think people are just trying to hold on. Um, yeah because i just it's so hard to get out and if you add any additional hurdles it's it's not surprising that they don't leave around the holidays it really isn't um
0: well yeah it, i mean because it's not just you know i mean it could it could be that it's not just you and your kids it's also grandma and grandpa on both sides and it's you know aunt louise and you know i mean huge oh, yeah. huge pressures you know to keep it to hold it together you know I, somebody once told me oh, well, I don't understand how women can be so weak. And I i looked at them with absolute huh. shock and went, weak? <laughs> Domestic violence victims are the strongest people you will ever meet. <laughs>
1: yeah, I you say know? that all the time. I say that all the time to groups, and I say it to my clients because they are always down. When they come in, they're always down on themselves, and they always think they should have left sooner than they did, and they beat themselves up over the deci- the things that they didn't do To get out earlier, and I I remind them, you know, a a weak person could not have persevered for as long as you did, and keep trying to get out as many times as you did. And now look where you're sitting; you're out, and you know that requires strength. You know, I don't see a weak person in front of me; I see an incredibly strong person in front of me. Um, And if there are children involved,
0: you have to. You know, I mean, it's. I mean, if there are children involved, you know, it's just that much stronger because you're being strong for those, ch- those kids as well. Because at the same time, most women who are leaving these situations, they try to do their best for their kids. They try to create normalcy wherever they can for their children. And in the uh-huh. midst of chaos, they're sitting there trying to create normalcy for their kids in whatever ways they're able to. I mean, it's just astounding to me um, how women who are in those situations kind of get such a bad rap because they do extraordinary yeah. things. They right? I mean really. It
1: is. It's I inspiring. Mean, if, it's really inspiring uh, actually.
0: Yeah, you know. Um so okay, so if a, a a person has to come to the shelter over the holidays, what can they expect? I mean, do shelters try to provide some sort of celebration or is that just kind of like rubbing salt in a wound or what, what, and I, and I realize that you're speaking for Laura's house, but you also kind of have a feel for other shelters. What's your sense is, is
1: my sense is that it's a really, I mean, okay, you're, you're making the best of a bad situation, I guess, but I can speak, I guess, first personally for our shelter, it's an amazing experience given that they're in a shelter uh, they get presents. They have Christmas dinner. They decorate the tree, um, and, and it's actually really lovely. And they're not. Uh, it, it and it helps that look. A lot of domestic violence agencies rely on volunteers um, to support them, and everybody loves volunteering around the holidays. And yes. it's not a it's not a tough sell to say, hey, we have this family of four and they don't have any presents and we need to get them dinner. Um, Do you think you and your group or your church or whoever could help, could sponsor? And it's, we've got, we've got an over, such an overwhelming response to helping out our families during the holidays that it's never been an issue. And then our staff, I mean, we have people that'll come in and they'll decorate. They will, uh, we get trees, we get presents, we get food. And these kids are actually have a really great day and, Um, They're not in a house where there's this, you know, that the you're not they're not hearing that electrical wire sound that sort of permeates the house um, on the holidays or in general there. There's no there's no abuse. There's presence, there's family, there's um, other folks experience, other clients experiencing the same thing. So we go at least our agency, we feel very strongly to go above and beyond to create an environment that is. Family-oriented that is gives the kids an escape. Uh, I love going down to our shelter around the holidays. I really do. It's it's such a such a magical place. And there are other uh, there's another group in Orange County that does that will that sends a shuttle for all our children, all our families, and they take them to um, this event where they have a Santa and they have presents for all. They call in advance to get the ages of of the kids and they get presents for all of them and their families have dinner and there's carolers and all these great things. So it's actually, um, pretty inspiring and pretty awesome. And I think that's true for a, for a lot of other shelters. I don't know to what degree, but I know that they put a lot of emphasis. I know that their volunteer bases put a lot of emphasis on making sure that their clients are, uh, get, get as close to normal and around the holidays as they can. And I think that's something that we all strive for. Um, And not, not to go on off off on a, on a tangent, but this is a, a good, you and I discussed earlier about the perception of shelters and that a lot of people, when they think shelters, they think, and this has been my experience, they think homeless shelters, they think cots in a gymnasium floor. They think it's not a place for children and they think of it as a really depressing, depressing place. And as that, that's certainly not the case with a lot of the shelters that I know and with our shelter. It's, it's a very warm, inviting, safe uh, environment for families to stay and, and get their lives together. And I think the more we get the word out about that, I think, and raise awareness about that, I think that will increase the likelihood that domestic violence survivors and their families will get out and go to a safe place like a shelter because it, it actually is, a, it can be a very positive experience for families.
0: Well, and obviously it depends on the shelter, um, and they're not always able to do that. Um, right. Is it likely that, you know, we're kind of speculating why there aren't more calls and all that. Is it likely that uh, people would be more um, able or more um, in, uh, able to go to a friend or relative for the holidays, or and maybe that's why there aren't as many calls coming in, or... You know that I, I I could envision a family member saying, "Oh gosh, yeah, come on in. It's the holidays. I've got the holiday spirit." As opposed to, "Well, I I've got the rotary meeting on Thursday, and I've got you know got to bake cookies for my kids, and you want to come stay with me now? You know, I mean, really, <laughs> right? Um, right? Is, is that a possibility?
1: I think it's a possibility. Um, I think that it it really depends. You know, as as you mm-hmm are well aware that a lot a lot of our clients have been or a lot of domestic violence survivors and victims have been isolated from their support systems and they may not have that option Um, or they may have burned so many bridges with their support system with their family and friends that their family and friends have shut them out because they're tired of taking them in only to see them go back over and over and over again. So I, I actually, personally speaking about my clients, I don't see them going to relatives very often yeah. during the holidays. Um, but I do, you know, your, your question raises an interesting point, point. and this is, again, speculation, but you would think if there's family in town and there's people at the house that domestic violence would, you'd see a reduction because in my experience, Someone who is abusive doesn't like to do it in front of other people. They like to do it when right. they have the person alone and no one's around. So you we, think we do if the there's best
0: behavior thing,
1: yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All star, great member of community. They've never, in a million years, do these types of things. And that's what makes domestic violence so tough is it's not done, out yeah. in the open ever. So it's a, it's a yeah. great scam. It's a really effective scam.
0: I recently did a, um, a little workshop with some, a group, a wonderful group of women reporters in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, called JAWS, Journalism and Women, and we talked about, or my presentation was about reporting um, gendered violence, and we talked about some of the the, the formulaic reporting that we often see uh, in a domestic violence situation, which usually is only reported if there's major injury or death. Um, but it, in my studies, um, I've put together the the, the three-point approach of the standard news story, which is we talk about how wonderful he is, how something happened that made him snap. Usually, if we can pin it on her, so much the better, um, so, you know, something she did. Um, and then we go find friends and family and get quotes about what a great guy he is. You know I I yeah. mean you know what I'm yeah. talking I mean, about yeah, right Yeah
1: that's 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 the standard script I the media, mainstream media coverage drives me crazy um
0: I know I know I mean, and, and, and what you uh, just know I, I was so grateful to have an opportunity to talk about it with these uh, amazing women journalists you know um to kind of let them know you know you can get quotes from other people besides you know I my the standard that I used was an AP story that came out two, almost two years ago now, but the the man killed his five children and uh, carried them around in the trunk of his car, buried them in a the national forest, and the start of the article, the, literally the start of the article was talking about Joe Smith, whatever his name was, uh, got his associate's degree and worked for a $70,000 a year job and uh, huh. was married to his childhood sweetheart and everything was fine until he discovered that after his wife put the children to bed at night, she went next door and had sex with a teenage neighbor. Huh. And then he took his children And uh, neighbors said how wonderful he was, uh, and then um, uh, everything seemed to be just fine until he was stopped for a, a drunk driving charge, and the police noticed blood all over his car, and so then he took them to where he buried the children. And yeah. and I'm going, are you kidding me? This is such a nice guy. This is such a, what, I mean, the whole lead was what a great guy he was. He held a responsible job. He made good. They even t- mm-hmm. said his annual income when it was a decent annual income, you know. And then for the quote from the friend and neighbor, they went to his father who said, uh, you know, we just want everybody to remember what a wonderful brother, son, father, and husband our little Jimmy was. Uh-huh. are you kidding me yeah he just wiped out yeah. he murdered his five children and he was so wonderful how come he wasn't at home at night when his wife was putting those kids to bed you know i mean what and and then yeah. further in the story it was well the the fact that his wife was going next door to have sex with the na- teenage neighbor those were allegations he made in his court documents there was no nothing you know and it just makes me crazy. So, our—I pres- I guess the reason I'm going off on this tangent is because we, as observers, um, see things through certain lenses, and these women, uh, we see the holidays through those similar lenses, and it must be inordinate pressure on a person who's going through this to try and meet those expectations, to try to meet what's needed for their children, to try and do, you know, in the face of, of, of you know, all of this chaos. I, I can't imagine how they're doing it without help. And yet, do, do you see an upswing then in January? You said you see an upswing in protection orders.
1: We do. We do. We see, we see an upswing in January, sort of like we do in, in June after the school year lets out, people tend to, uh, we definitely see an uptick with our restraining order filings. That's for sure. Um, and it's not surprising, uh, given everything you and I have discussed and, you know, to your point about the media, another, um, factor that, that we're seeing a lot of, that our clients are mentioning to us when there is a domestic violence story in the news is how the victim is treated by the public. Um, oh, yeah especially in like celebrity cases, like with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, I mean, all the same thing. So his family, friends, daughter, everybody coming to his defense. He's a great guy. he never, I've never seen oh, yeah. him do these things, all that sort of thing. But then she came forward and the media just eviscerated her and the comment section and social media just destroyed her. And so yeah. it's a real disincentive for anyone to come forward and make any kind of allegation Against someone for dom- for domestic violence because they just get destroyed. And I think, I'm so happy to hear you're doing a project like that because a lot of it is is rooted in the way the article is written. It sort of gives them yes, license absolutely. to say these things. Um, absolutely, it really well, does. You, so you're
0: talking about um, um, uh, Amber Heard. Uh, remember the Alec Baldwin thing where he said that nasty, nasty
1: uh, oh, yeah, to email daughter. or text
0: to his yeah uh, to to his daughter. Uh, which, for people like me, I kind of went, you know, Spidey sense tingling all over the place that he would say this to his, you know, and I immediately go, whoa, the, you know, that behavior is not a normal loving little daddy behavior, um, and yet they honored him, they they made him uh, even more of a star, they made him, you know, in in and it just. It puddles me. It makes me crazy is
1: what it does. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it should. It's crazy-making.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, which I mean, is what we're good at, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so,
1: I, so at any rate, what, what we're talking about is a lot of there's a lot of reasons why it's so challenging to leave. And I think the holidays just add one more layer on top of all these different uh, nuanced issues.
0: Do you see? You mentioned the gifts and the things for people who are in shelters. One of my little pet peeves is how you know we 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 are a wonderful society. We really are. And when Christmas comes, donations are up the uh, you know up the wazoo. And we're you know the the, the toys for the children and the the uh, food banks and I mean. But then the other other eleven months of the year, oh you're starving and you're hungry. Oh well. You know, <laughs> right. You know, uh, right. Is it that way with with the shelters? Is it that way with domestic violence issues?
1: I I to an extent. I mean, look, volunteering. We have an amazing volunteer base, but and I was guilty of this when I was younger. I mean, volunteering it should be a really selfless act. But the reality is you want to feel good about what you're doing for somebody sure. else. And you want to see that in action. So you don't want to go do data entry in a broom closet at a domestic violence shelter, you want to be giving that kid a new present, you know? Yeah. Cause it feels good. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels good. Um, but I think in this, I may sound Pollyanna or, or so happy with our agency, but this is true. I think with a lot of different agencies is um, the DV agencies, I think tend to do a really good job of engaging their base. I think that, um, helping them in educating our volunteer base on the fact that there's a big picture out there and you can point to all sorts of, you can point to a, a news story in the media every day of the year, multiple, um, and how it affects everybody. And so I, we do get a, 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 a definite increase in people contacting our agency saying, Hey, I want to give presents or, Hey, um, you know, I want to donate food or I want to, is there something, you know, can we decorate something? They want to do something like that. And we'll, of course, uh, very, we're very appreciative of, of their desire to, to volunteer or help our clients and our agency, but we'll also try to engage them to become part of our annual volunteer base. Hey, that's great. What about, you know, we're doing a fundraiser in February. Could you come man the snack bar? You know, I mean,
0: different yeah, yeah. things
1: like that. It's an I think I see it as an opportunity. I think some people get really frustrated with um, spikes in volunteerism during the holidays, but I think we, you know, people should see it as an opportunity to engage people in a more long-term way. Um, and if they're not interested, that's that's fine. Um, but yeah, we definitely see it. We definitely we get people just showing up at our agency saying, "Hey, I brought some brought some toys by," you know, they didn't give us a heads up or anything, which is which is awesome. But I think that's definitely how. People have been programmed. It's around the holidays. That's when you give. And it's really, it, it really should be every time else around the year, you know, on not, ho- yeah. not on holidays. Um, I, gosh, I did not say that very well. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, one of the things that uh, I uh, did uh, a few years ago is I realized, you know, there's a lot of people around the holidays that want to do stuff and that are willing to help. But what about Mother's Day? You know, <laughs> what about oh, Mother's yeah. Day? It, oh, must, yeah. it must really suck to be in a shelter with your children, scared out of your mind, on Mother's Day. And so yeah. this was a, a while back, and so for several years, I just went to, uh, we we were fortunate in this area to have a couple of locally owned major department stores that have since been purchased by, you know, other major, major department stores. But I just went to them and I said, okay, this is what I need. We've got X number of women in a shelter. It's Mother's Day. And they're getting nothing, you know. And so for several years I had some major retailers put together little boxes of stuff and one year they they had gym bags they filled the gym bags with things like like mom stuff you know like lipstick and perfume and pantyhose and you know mom stuff and i just took them down to the agency and then they distributed them on mother's day i had to stop doing it it's one of my big um regrets that I had to stop doing it because the the stores were purchased by major retailers and most major corporations, you have to be a 501c3 and you have to write letters to the corporate office and, you have, you know, you know what I'm saying. And so I was not able to do it, but I, I keep pitching that somebody ought to be doing this. You know, I mean, it must just suck to be there on Mother's Day. Um and and I think that if we can identify other holidays as well, you know, I mean, if we want to pin another holiday, you know, I'm, I, it seems to me we ought to talk about that as well. That's another rant I'm going on. I'm going on with all sorts of rants. No, today. I love it. I love it. You're speaking, <laughs> my, you're speaking my
1: language. You really are. I love that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, we have a great we have a great women's guild that does for birthdays and for Mother's Day. They come and they decorate their room and they bring gifts and they. Um, I think last year they uh, took them to get a manicure pedicure and things like that. So definitely it's the little things, you know, and we even try to go beyond holidays for like get somebody to sponsor a family night where maybe they bring dinner and a board game or, you know, something like that to, to gift to them, to, to enjoy a night, you know, on a random Wednesday. Um it's, uh, but that's that's. I, I wish more people thought like you and and took, well, the, took that extra to step. Well, we just
0: have That's all. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's right. So, uh, is there like, and uh, I, I mean, uh, obviously there are the state coalitions, um, but are there professional organizations, so to speak, for shelters where um, you know you can go to the larger affiliation and and pitch for something like this. Uh, I don't I don't know. Is how does that work for shelters?
1: Yeah, um because you have, you know, you have shelter-based programs and you have non-shelter-based programs and we're in California, we're all members of the California part or I shouldn't say all. Most of us are members of our state coalition, which is the California mm-hmm. Partnership to End Domestic Violence, which is a great resource if uh even if you're not a member to go to their website, but to get information about uh, exactly what you're talking about, hey, that, you know we're trying. What 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 organizations can we reach out to to do a Mother's Day um, program at our shelter? Or um, how have how have uh, I'm a big believer in open sourcing whatever we're doing that's working and what's not working. I don't think what's it open should be purport. Propi- propi- make it available does- to make it make it available to everyone. So. Wow. Because you have this, you have a struggle because a lot of shelters, while we're all uh, collaborative organizations and we're all on the same mission, we're also, a lot of us are also going after the same money. So it can get a little uh-huh. competitive. And uh, my belief is that we should just open source it. Whatever's working for us and what's, and what's not, what we didn't have success with. I want to share that with my colleagues so that they can do it in there. They can take, the program that we developed and use it, or take parts of it, or look at. Oh, we're, we're thinking about doing a program like this. Oh, well, we tried that, and this is where we struggled. um And I think organizations. Hey, I want to. We want to do a fundraising centered around Mother's Day or around, you know, back to school or what's working for others, and really try to motivate that that kind of a collaborative conversation to learn about because very you don't have to reinvent the wheel most of the time. Very. It's very likely that somebody's already done what you're trying to do, and it's just a matter of engaging them in conversation. So I'm always spouting off about that, trying to open source and collaborate with uh, my fellow DV advocates to try to really, um, you know, push the movement forward. Um, And I think that extends from legal to therapeutic to shelters to volunteerism to fundraising to, you know, all of the above. And it's been, it's actually really been great listening to you because a lot of you're like, I wasn't kidding around when I said you're speaking my language. Like I'm, I'm hearing a lot of what the words that you're saying, I have said those exact things before. And so it's really (laughs) refreshing to hear somebody else saying those things as well. Um, But yeah, you just got to start that conversation.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what I'm finding I I know I was trying to recruit uh, some some members for a DV organization a couple of years ago and I was speaking with this man who's who worked with a um um In my neck of the woods, we have Little Bit Riding Stable, and it's a wonderful organization, uh, children with physical disabilities or mental uh, disabilities um, who are able to ride the horses. And it was started maybe 20, 25 years ago, you know, uh, just with a couple of horses, and now, of course, it's a huge stable. and, you know, wonderful equipment, and, you know, just all sorts of marvelous stuff, as it should be. And it does great things for the children. And he had uh, volunteered with them, and I was talking with him about helping with a DV organization. And he just kind of looked at me with this kind of, you know how people smile at you when they really mean, like, no. (laughs) Right. And and he gave me that, that look, and he goes, it's just, well, it's just that domestic violence just isn't fun. Yeah, and you know, True. with the with a with the little <laughs> bit riding stable, you know, the you know everybody, it makes everybody smile when they see this child reacting well to the horse and having that horseback riding experience, and you know, despite the, his disability, and and it's just not fun <laughs> for domestic violence, and and I have always remembered that, and I thought, well, I'm so sorry we can't make it more entertaining for you. Um, you know, <laughs> perhaps oh, no. per, you know we'll we'll put our minds to it. Perhaps we can add some sort of little dog and pony show, or you know, as it as it were, um, to to help entertain you. But I, I find that, especially these organizations, um, it's not fun. It's not an organization that people love to say, "Oh yes, I'm helping the handicapped children," or "I'm helping the you know," uh, and it's it's more of a Visceral, dirt under your fingernails kind of volunteering. And yeah. I think that um, people... I, I, there's a term that I learned a, a few months ago, and I love this term. It's called virtue signaling. Have you heard that term? I have not. It was invented by some commentator in England uh, just last spring, I think, and it's just taken off. And... And what it means is that we want to help people, but we want to help people in ways that we can let other people know the good work we're doing. Uh, Yes. And uh, so, in other words, we want to signal to them how virtuous we are. Um, And I think there has to be a way, um, somehow, I'm not bright enough to think of it, but there ought to be a way that we can make domestic violence worthy of virtue signaling um, to the general population. I don't know how to do it yet. If I think of it, I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of the people that volunteer or the companies that volunteer or collaborate with, partner with our agency, they're putting it on their social media. They're doing press releases about it. I mean, I think it really, from a, from the corporate level obviously gives them goodwill in the community um, and they want to be recognized for it. But I think even just on people's Instagrams and things like that and um on their Facebook pages, they're always tooting their their horns about Laura's house and trying to raise awareness about domestic violence and their cause. I mean, I think it's definitely becoming a little—I don't know. People are. I'm finding people to be a bit more cause-driven these days. And, yeah. Um, well,
0: industries, companies, corporations are motivating their employees. Their employees get some some rewards for for um, picking a cause and working toward it. And I think that's good. You know, I think that's good. We all need to have something to give us that little push out to do what we want to do anyway, you know. Um, Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thing. And, you know, this is a great time of year to be talking about this because it's the time of year, you know, in another month we're going to be talking about starting a whole new year and looking at how can we do better next year, how can we help more people next year, how can we help eliminate this problem next year. It's always uh, wonderful to have that that opportunity once a year to have just a fresh start and uh, start looking at things again with optimism and new eyes, and um, I, I think that, I've enjoyed our conversation. I'm I, looking at the clock and I'm going, no, no, we can't be that close to the end <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's a great conversation. Um, when people do need help, um, where where do you recommend that they go? I mean, of course, there's the national hotline, and I should have that up. I normally have that on my calendar. It's not showing. Um, so I'll look that up while well, you tell people where you would recommend they they. Go to for assistance during this time of year or any time of year?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I think first and foremost, if you're in any kind of life threatening situation or in danger or your safety or or your children's safety is in danger or compromised, you call 911. I mean, you call law enforcement. I think that's step number one. And law enforcement is a gateway after that they've intervened, they're a gateway to get you in touch with a a victim of domestic violence In touch with the right resources. Um, in Orange County, we have something called two one, one, which is a, a just a general information service that you can call and say, Hey, I need, I'm having issues with, with domestic violence, or I'm having issues with elder abuse or, um, a variety of different things. And they will point you in the right direction. Um, Uh, to, to write resources. I think the national domestic violence hotline is an amazing resource for people to call. Um, They can call their local. If they happen to know it, they can call the local DV shelter uh, phone number. Um, I know that the national domestic violence hotline now has like a texting and uh, online chat functionality, which is really great because sometimes you don't have the opportunity to make that phone call. And yeah. being able to do that, I think, really is adapting to technology and how people communicate now. So I think that's a really you effective know, had way had to
0: go. You so. know, we had a representative, from the hot, a couple of representatives from the hotline on the show. Um, um, I think last year uh, to celebrate their their anniversary, and they said that right now they're running about 50 chat, you know, chat versus um, voice phone.
1: I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. So, I mean, look at look at how people communicate now. Um, yeah. They,
0: oh, they, wait a they, minute. Now, they, see, I'm 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 a I'm still a baby boomer. So, oh, oh you call this communication? <laughs> 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 but <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And even I appreciate chat rooms. You know, if I have something that's not working, I'd, I'd rather go to that chat room and get some some assistance. Um, you know, but I do also see the downfalls. There's a, a a lot to be said for actually having a human being to communicate with and that oh, yeah. hotline yeah the hotline number if you want to call it is 800 799 safe s a f e that's 800 799 7233 and i'll tell you if you just write it down because even if you're making the decision that this is not the time to try to leave you never know when something might happen that changes that decision and sometimes you just need to talk And just because, you you know, I mean, if you call the hotline, you can just talk. You don't have to call the police. You don't have to get in your car and pack up your kit. You can call that number and talk. And uh, I think that that's uh, something that we underestimate sometimes, uh, just talking with somebody. Uh, is good and uh, as you mentioned earlier, Adam. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes attempts. Um, I read somewhere that people who smoke it takes them an average of seven times, seven quitting smoking to actually quit smoking. And if it takes you seven attempts to leave a cigarette, how many attempts is reasonable to leave your life? You know. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know that that don't feel bad if you have to have you know extra time to try and make a decision or some extra people to talk to, that's fine. And this time of year um, is tougher, and uh, whether you choose to seek help or not, it is tougher. It's tougher for people who aren't dealing with major issues like domestic violence or health problems or anything else. It's just added pressure. It's tougher. It also has great rewards. But, um, you know, there are people there. There are agencies there. Adam, how would people contact Laura's house? Um, Our 24-hour hotline,
1: they can contact us at 866-498-1511. Once again, that's 866-498-1511, and that's a 24-hour toll-free hotline, and we are available, just like you said, to talk to people, talk them through what's going on. It's actually pretty rare that somebody calls and they immediately uh, jump into our shelter. Sometimes they need to get a, get a handle on what's out there and what, what it's going to look like if they do leave and how they can leave safely, and that's, that's a process. And it's, but they're always, every call, they're moving the ball forward just a little bit. And um, really, that's all we can ask of them.
0: uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, Adam, I appreciate you being on the show. I thank you. I wish Laura's house great success in helping and doing the work that they do. I like to uh, end our show every year or every uh, week with a quote. And, um, you know, there's so many quotes. You know, about Christmas and holidays Uh, There's a lot of quotes about domestic violence But I'm not finding a whole lot of quotes That combine them But I think this one works This is from Helen Steiner Rice Peace on earth will come to stay When we live Christmas every day And of course Christmas Is holiday, you know, whatever terminology you want to Uh, It's the spirit of this season Regardless of your uh, philosophical beliefs And I think that's true We need to live this every day And we also need to be understanding of people who are not moving according to the schedule on which we believe they should move. Any final words, like 10 seconds worth, Adam?
1: Uh, 10 seconds worth. You know, I I think you said it beautifully. I think understanding and compassion and don't judge domestic violence victims and survivors for the choices that they make. Just be there for them unconditionally.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Adam, uh, for being such an eloquent speaker. Have a very happy holiday yourselves, and uh, come join us next week for me another to McC